Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. An Erio's original. And welcome to Web Crawlers, the podcast where we do a deep dive into some of our favorite unsolved mysteries. Each week, we will introduce our topic, lay out our research and findings, reveal some conspiracy theories, and conclude with our own hypothesis. Who knows? We might even solve the case. I am Allie Siegel. I am Melissa Stettin. And I'm producer Maria. Webcrawlers has a Patreon to get access to rewards, bonus episodes, shout outs, merch discounts. Please go to patreon.com slash webcrawlers. Also, um, we have something exciting in the works for October. We are going to have a Patreon exclusive Halloween party. Yay. So fun. And I have a great costume. I can't tell you guys yet. And she won't tell us. She won't even tell us what it is. You literally won't tell us. It's so rude. So we will uh, shoot out the link on our Patreon. We will have a little costume party. We'll allow everyone into the Zoom at once. Um, And we will like share. It will just be complete chaos. (laughs) We'll share scary stories. Maybe carve a pumpkin. Ali, is this happening on Halloween? Friday the 30th? We'll just cheat. Yeah, maybe Friday the 30th. It'll be that week. It'll be that week. Yeah, it'll be like spooky season for sure. Yeah. Maybe someone could get a fog machine and um, a big cauldron. We should get some dry ice. Maybe some spooky sounds. Yes. Some spider webs. Oh, there'll be spooky sounds. Oh, yes. So that'll be fun. If you are a patron, you can look forward to that. Or you can just donate $2 a month um, and join in on the fun. Also, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We are so close to 666 reviews. um, (laughs) So please get us there. I think we have a few more, right? A few new ones. I think we do. This is from Kristen Rock Your Talk. Says, so I heard about web crawlers when Paul F. Tompkins mentioned it casually on another podcast, and mm. I love PFT, so I thought I'd give it a try. And what do you know? 
I am so into the show. Three women and none are annoying. How? Amazing. I love the stories. <laughs> I love everyone's zingers. I love everyone's laughs. I just need more. And yes, I'm a Patreon supporter. And so should you. Keep these girls rising. Um, the next one is Bristol 37. Let's get to 666. P.S. Love you gals. And the next one, I'm just going to read it because it, it personally mentions me. From Kristen Kiki, five stars. Get into it. Allie's voice is isn't annoying after you get used to it. It's an acquired taste, but she's actually hilarious. Great content, and they make me laugh every day. So another another shout out to my voice is actually not annoying. Thank you. It's like a fine wine. Well, but they did say they got used to it. Yeah, they say they got used to it. Melissa, who are our new patrons who will be at our Halloween party? We've got Rachel H., Thomas U., Esther D., Amanda, Elizabeth M.B., Corey W., Eileen B., and Kristen T. Welcome. Welcome, guys. We love you. Let's get into our main episode because I'm super excited. And we found some like breaking news last night. And I'm not going to lie. I posted something and Chris Hayes from MSNBC responded to it. And <gasps> shut up. What did he say? He said, this is perfection. Wow. <gasps> no, he did not. He did. That's how Allie, you could be a new you could be a news like anchor. A new MSNB. Yes. Allie's a news anchor. I'm literally a news anchor. Oh my god. Yeah. Literally if a news Chris anchor. Hayes talks to you, you're literally a I am news an, anchor. I am yeah. So wow. um we did some deep diving research uh last night and the night before. So And this morning. <laughs> and this morning. So we've really been we're exhausted. Uh, Melissa, what is our episode today? Our episode today is about Nixium. Everyone's yes. favorite cult. So Nixium originally started as an organization aimed at self-realization and empowerment, but became an enslaving sex cult that blackmailed its members, branded them, and collected their money. It was run by master manipulator Keith Raniere and actress Allison Mack and financed by Seagram's Liquor Heirs. How was this so-called Hollywood sex cult able to flourish for over 17 years? And we're also going to talk to Sarah Lund, who went to high school with Allison Mack and sat next to her in biology class. Sick. So let's get, get into, into it. it. An alleged cult leader and former network TV star both arrested on sex trafficking charges. Keith Raniere attracted some high-profile followers to his group Nexium. Women say they were branded, referred to as sex slaves, and forced to give collateral to guarantee their silence. Now, can I ask this really quickly? I know I always jump in, but and I this is serious. Is it Nixium or Nexium? I think it's Nexium. I don't understand okay. it. And every time I try to do um, the like Roman numerals or whatever, I always do it in the wrong order. I just couldn't join the cult because I couldn't spell it right. Like that'd be the only deterrent for me to join. You couldn't the cult. Google it right to find where the classes were. You're like, forget <laughs> it. <laughs> I once dated a guy who couldn't find one of his classes in high school, and he was he didn't want to ask where it was because he was too shy. So he just dropped out of high school. Oh wow! Isn't that crazy? That's yeah. Okay, so to understand how this cult came to be, we have to understand its leader, Keith Raniere, and how he became this international self-help guru Guru who even met with the Dalai Lama. Yeah. So Keith Raniere was born on August 26th, 1960. 
His dad worked in advertising. His mom was a ballroom dance instructor, and he grew up in upstate New York. And when he was eight years old, his dad said that he took an IQ test and found out he was gifted. And when Keith's dad told him he got a high score, he started acting differently, like he was better than everyone, which is crazy. You should never tell your kid that they're better than anyone. No, you, know? you should tell their, your kid they're stupid. You should tell yeah. their, your kid that they don't know anything and they'll never know anything. Yeah, that's what you should do. So when Keith was 13, he had tons of girls calling his house and he would tell them that he loved them, like all of them. Even when he got older, he would have multiple girlfriends at the same time, and he convinced them that men are built to have multiple partners, but women are not. But hold on. How did he get these girls? Because he's a little dweeb. Well, he's like a master manipulator. Yeah, brainwashing. No, I'm sorry. If that guy's talking to me, I'm like, I don't care what you're saying. Mm, well, no. Well, he wouldn't have no, I'm sorry. girls who like have low self-esteem. Mm, okay. So there's some rape allegations as well. So in 1993, is it Rhiannon? Rhiannon. Like, I think it's like the, um, like the Fleetwood Mac Rihanna. song. <laughs> so in 1993, a 12-year-old by the name of Rhiannon, uh, he was, Keith was 30, and he offered her free tutoring. And allegedly, he taught her how to hug and then took her virginity. Oh, my God. Yeah. And Rhiannon liked hanging out with Keith and all the women around him. And it was exciting to feel like an adult. Ugh. And he has another uh, rape allegation Oof. when he was 24. It's Gina Molina, who was 15. Gina Hutchinson, who we're going to get into a little bit later as well. Yeah. So there's two women named Gina in the same year. Gina Molina, who was 15, and then Gina Hutchinson. Keith claimed that Gina had a soul that was older than her body. She ultimately committed suicide, and we're going to get yes. into that a little more later. We are, because ultimately committed suicide should be in quotations, because oh, yes. the, the situation around the suicide is a little bit nefarious. Yeah. So he went to college at RPI. He majored in math. Also, one thing that's weird, sorry to interrupt, he was never charged for any of these No, he wasn't. Cases. Yes. So he majored in math, biology, and physics. His GPA was 2.2. Not that, not that high. Not great for That's a like, genius. I did better than him. Oh, yeah. yeah. And after college, he worked at Amway, the famous pyramid scheme. He's done nothing but work at MLMs his entire life. He sold vitamins and health products. And this is probably where he most likely learned how to profit off of pyramid schemes. And he lived in Albany in a house with a bunch of women they would discuss philosophy, religion, how to be successful, and how to become rich. And he was really interested in Scientology, mm. most specifically the technique of manipulating and changing people's thoughts and behaviors. Like, he was obsessed with that. So then he starts a company called Consumers Byline, which is another MLM, and it had 150 employees in Albany. But he kept getting complaints from the government, so he shut it down. And then he opens a health store, and this is where he meets Nancy Salzman. She came in looking for remedies for her chronic constipation. Good for her. And, <laughs> yeah, good for her. So Nancy and Keith started a self-help company called Executive Success Programs. And around 20,000 people took these courses. It was like pretty huge. It's called ESP. 
And the intro courses were all like very light and very helpful. Like just like when I was a Scientologist for a month, all of the courses were like, (laughs) oh, this is like really helpful for you. This is how to be a good person. And so this ESP is eventually what turns into Nexium. So also, um, I read from Heath's um, childhood, he was obsessed with this guy named Isaac Asimov. Oh, he's the the writer, right? He wrote like iRobot. Yes. He was like a science fiction novelist. And he had a lot of theories and science fiction novels about like how you could uh, control humans just using data and like brainwashing it's kind of interesting that like l ron hubbard and keith were like hugely um influenced by science fiction oh interesting yeah but apparently he took a bunch of his the foundations of like nexium and his mlms just from the idea and i guess all mlms are kind of based on this but that you could really control humans by you know like tracking their movements tracking you know what they do on a daily basis figuring out what their personalities are and then kind of like adjusting them accordingly until you turn them into like more uh like robotic like artificial intelligence slaves basically yeah yeah so he was like i guess hugely um influenced by his writings as a kid Uh, We talked about how he allegedly has a 240 IQ. And to answer your question, Maria, I guess he really flaunted that. And like, that was one of the things that women were impressed by. Maybe women who, because he surrounded himself with a lot of like, quote unquote, beautiful women. And Mm -hmm. I think he tried to lead with valuing them for their intelligence. So I think that women who maybe had only been valued for, you know, their beauty before, he kind of like went through the front door by being like, you're so smart you're so deep you're so spiritual and maybe that's how he kind of like got to got be it. to be kind of like valued yeah. by that'd get me someone was like you're so smart i'd be like yeah. i am <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be like no i'm not you're an idiot <laughs> yeah, i'd be like she is no, she's not. <laughs> yeah um so by the end of 1993 uh ranieri claimed he had sold one billion dollars in goods and services and he said that he was worth 50 billion um from his mlm yeah, however right. regulators in 20 states investigated this mlm and uh alleging that it was a period scheme uh period, period pyramid scheme <laughs> pyramid scheme he was convicted and he settled for forty thousand dollars but he only paid nine thousand of it saying that he couldn't pay the rest yeah because he's broke he was a broke yeah, bitch yeah which is funny for someone alleging that he was worth 50 million dollars yeah. so then there is nancy salzman who plays a big part of nexium nancy was a nurse and a hypnotherapist she was also into neuro linguistic programming which uses body language mirroring and hypnotherapy as well as um, voice tones, um, oh. so, which is a lot having to do with hypnotherapy. But it's like the decibel and tone of your voice when you're talking oh. to someone. So, oh, like, for example, like when you're talking to someone and you might lower your voice to soothe them and then you might get a little bit louder to kind of like empower them or like fill them with energy. Ooh, that's it's got chills. 
I mean, let me tell you, Keith was also really into hypnotherapy, which is a big part of the self-help movement, to be honest. Um, Mm -hmm. And it could really be used, I think, to brainwash people for sure. And then there was a lot of lawsuits. Keith was really into suing people and threatening them with blackmail and lawsuits if they were to speak out against him. There is a literal video in um, obviously HBO has a documentary called The Vow right now that's out. But there is another docu-series, um, or I guess it's a docu-episode that's pretty long, on um, identification discovery. Investigation discovery? <laughs> it's definitely investigation identification discovery. discovery. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it's called The Lost Women of Nexium. There is a tape. First of all, there's a recording of Keith talking about the branding with Allison yeah. Mack. Um, and telling about how to do it. There's also a video of Keith, and it's actually like a, a real video. Like you can talk with Allison Mack as just an audio recording. But then there's also a literal video, and you can see him on camera of him talking about how people have been killed due to his beliefs that he's had people killed. Yeah, uh, whether or not it's wild. whether or not that's true, who knows? We're gonna get yeah. into that, but. Um, he uses blackmail and lawsuits. Um, and then obviously later, the quote unquote, uh, something we'll talk about collateral in order to kind of keep people in line and continue doing um, his malpractices. Keith has described himself as one of the world's top three problem solvers. He <laughs> claims, and this also is part of this story that he's created for himself, you know, his genius IQ. He claims He's spoken complete sentences by age one. He claims that it, by age two, he was reading. He says he's the most intelligent person in the entire world. And this, of course, slowly <laughs> coerces his followers into doing exactly what he wants. So the basics of Nexium. So if you follow the tenets of Nexium, you could reach your full potential and change the world, which is like typical cult ideologies. So they would have people cut themselves off from family there was a strict hierarchy system they make you feel bad about yourself and only nixium can fix your problems and that's very similar to scientology yes auditing when they're like oh you want to feel good about yourself well you need to do auditing because it's literally the only thing that's going to help you you just need to talk about your problems you're going to be you're not going to succeed unless you do this which you did which i did Tell, I did, tell, I did a course of about auditing. about it before, but tell us what the auditing was like. Uh, so I did Scientology for about a month. This was like 13 years ago. And it was all like, you know, self-help courses and like how to be a better person. And they're like, you should do auditing. And it's where you sit in a room with a person and they ask you questions about like to describe periods in your life or like something that happened that like upset you. And then you just like keep going over and over the details. Like you just keep talking about it, like, and you find more and more details. And the more you talk about it, the more you're supposed to clear yourself of it. <laughs> um, so they, Keith ran Nexium like an MLM. Like you had to recruit members and sell courses and you would make a percentage of the sales. And so the people you would recruit would recruit more people. So it was like a cult MLM hybrid. Which is actually kind of genius when you think about it. <laughs> I, I I was watching um, a YouTube blog. The YouTuber was called Illuminati, but naughty was spelled like the word naughty, which is great. Illuminati. 
And she was saying that this wasn't an MLM with a sex cult. This was a sex cult uh, disguised as an MLM, which I think is a really accurate description of what Nexium was, that they were trying to kind of say that, you know, it's an MLM. We're selling, you know, self-help. But really what this was, was a sex cult under the guise of self-help and selling these services. Yeah. And so they had programs in Los Angeles, Vancouver, Albany, Mexico, and Anchorage, Alaska. So in this documentary, the Investigation Discovery documentary, apparently Roger Stone worked as a lobbyist for Nexium in 2007. Yes, he was a consultant. So yeah, crazy. for four months. And he audited a few classes and he said that Keith was arrogant. He was a know-it-all. He thought he was evil and financially corrupt. And he said that the Bronfman sisters of the Seagram's heirs, Seagram's liquors, gave Keith $66 million. This is what Imagine Roger Stone Imagine if Roger Stone is like, that Keith is a bad guy. Like I know. <laughs> Roger Stone's like the least ethical guy of all time. And even he yeah. like, Keith's no good. Yeah. And so... Nexium's teachings drew upon a diverse source of influences, including Anne Rand, L. Ron Hubbard, uh, Isaac Asimov, Tony Robbins, uh, neuro-linguistic yeah. programming, and incorporated elements of multi-level marketing and practices from judo with colored cloth for rank and bowing because they used sas- sashes yeah. as like evidence of like your rank. And so the tenets of... Nixium was that you're responsible for everything that happens in your life, which I agree with, to be honest, like, I, that, that, sure, yeah, uh, your belief system is full of faulty programming that has accumulated since childhood and holds you back with fear. I agree. That's with that. kind of that's similar, like, uh, to Scientology. It's like you need to clear yourself of all these negative feelings. So here's the thing is like, I think a lot of this is true until you are like, you have to fuck our leader and brand yourself and <laughs> yeah. give me $30 million. Like yeah. I th- honestly, I like a lot of the core of every call yeah. we've ever talked about. Sure. Uh, also, if you are worried about paying money or concerned with the discipline you're receiving at Nexium, it's part of your faulty programming and why you need to stick to the lessons. Okay. I'm out now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> Then, so this 12-point mission statement is that success is an internal state of clear, honest knowledge of what I am, my value in the world, and my responsibility for the way I react to all things. This is written by Keith. Yes. There are no ultimate victims. Therefore, I will not choose to be a victim. Okay. I am committed to being successful. I understand each of us must raise ourselves and thereby raise all others as all others raise us. This is interdependence. Also, like it says a lot in the documentary that... Keith talks so much that you're like, okay, this has to make sense, but nothing he says. Did you see that in that last episode when he was talking and the girl was working on something and she's like, okay, can you like stop talking? Yeah, trying to do this. Yeah, she's on the computer (laughs) typing. Yes, and he was like, I could, but I won't. I was like, oh my god, stop! So gross. Keith is that guy where if you're working uh, at a coffee shop with headphones in, he will come over and talk to you and continue talking to you after you put your headphones on. He's like Mark Sargent. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But even with your headphones on, he talks at a normal level. So like you have to like take your headphones off. You're like, we're like, what? Why are you just talking to me? I can't hear you. Yeah. God, he's the worst. Um, Success in my own right is my earned success. Okay. 
Successful people do not steal and they have no desire or need to steal. I will not steal anything. I will always earn what I need and desire. Okay. The methods and information I learn in ESP are for my use only. I will not speak of them or in any way give others knowledge of them outside ESP. If I violate this, I am breaking a promise and breaching my contract. So that's saying that like this is like a confidentiality thing, like all the teachings in ESP. Yeah, I wonder if like they have to sign a literal contract or NDA. Oh, I'm sure they do. I know that the quote unquote collateral kind of did the purpose of that, but I wonder if there was other such literature. Uh, True success is never at the expense of others. As a successful individual, I will never envy another's success. I will rejoice because I realize the success of others raises me up just a little bit more because I am also part of the human team. You raise me up so, <laughs> so I can. I pledge to share and enroll people in ESP and its mission for myself <laughs> and to help make the world a better place to live. So that's like straight Scientology. Straight up Scientology. So new recruits paid $7,500 for 12 hour intensive using methods stolen from various self help programs and hypnosis. And a former member said she recognized a lot of the techniques from the book Stress Management for Dummies. Oh, my God. That's so <laughs> sick. That's like, so I actually, that's so, that's so cool. That's so I love funny. That. I, abs- I think I want to start a religion and have our book be spirituality for dummies. And everyone yeah. has to buy it. There's probably some big stuff in there. Actually, Nexium's good. <laughs> Here's That's my how take. they get you. Nexium's That's good. That's how they get you. <laughs> um, and then there's the sashes. The more courses you took, the more sashes you would get. They were like different colored and like you wore them. That's how people knew like what tier you were at. And also you were supposed to get a new sash every six months based on how like all the classes you were taking and you would have to like pay, you know, Basically, you were paying for the sash color because that was like a sign of like respect right. and notoriety within Nexium. But, cool. you know, there's this part in the vow where um, I can't remember who it was, but she's like, you know, after six months, I wasn't getting my sash. And they said, you know what? You actually didn't learn enough to get the sash. So you're going to have to pay more um, and take some more lessons. Ugh. So much like Scientology, it started becoming this thing where they make you really desire this sash color. Yep. Or and and then they're like, oh, actually, you're not ready for it yet. You have to pay for this other lesson. Crazy. So then um, I was I was reading about um, obviously there's a trial right now with Keith and about Nexium, and some former followers of the cult have said that there were human fright experiments that were placed uh, on on followers in the cults. And apparently um in in the case, there's 20 pages worth of human rights violations um, that occurred Jeez. during the call. So these human fright um, experiments, according to Insider, the lawsuit claims as many as 200 people were placed in front of a screen with electronephalahologram electrodes placed on their skulls to measure brain waves and a camera to record their emotional response. In the human fright experiment, members believe they were going to watch a video of Keith to test the effectiveness of the cult's ringleader. Instead, 
Participants were shown scenes of escalating violence, including actual extremely graphic footage of the brutal beheading and dismemberment of five women in Mexico. What? Jesus. Yeah. Which is very similar to what happened in MK Ultra, where oh, yeah. they thought that they were having these meetings with a psychologist and they thought that they were like receive they were told um and this is what happened to who Ted Bundy no um Ted Kaczynski Ted Kaczynski they thought that they were you know telling their deepest secrets and giving getting all this like positive information from their leader and then it turned out that they were exposed to like uh ridicule or like highly um volatile and horrible images so i mean this is no this isn't a new tactic i mean this is this is something that is meant to break down the ego so that whoever is in charge can build it back up again. So then there's also Sarah Edmondson. Uh, Keith starts recruiting people from Mexico and Canada, and he meets Sarah Edmondson in Vancouver. She is the woman who is in the vow, and she is uh, like one of the whistleblowers. Uh, Mm -hmm. She was on the CBC podcast Uncover Escaping Nexium in 2018, which uh, she was in Nexium for 12 years. And she left around 2017, 2018. She was also in DOS. Um, mm-hmm. She is branded. She was high up in the organization. Um, and she even ran their Vancouver uh, yeah. location. And she was also responsible for recruiting a very important member, Claire Bronfman, who was heir to the Seagram fortune and essentially ended up funding Nexium in general. Um, her sister, Sarah, was in the cult, I believe, before Claire. They had hundreds of millions of dollars available to put into Nexium. Uh they Seagram's is a what vodka company or liquor crown American whiskey. I once dated a guy who only drank Crown Royale. So gross. Okay, so anyways, so they had like millions and millions of dollars as well as like private jets, Mm -hmm. which made the organization itself seem more successful and more credible because Keith would show up to places in a private jet. They were able to get, you know, better office buildings, you know, like more reliable um, education materials, etc. This is also when they all got a bunch of production materials and they started videotaping everything. Yeah. Which is now what we see in the documentary, The Vow. And they could also now start hiring lawyers to go after their critics. Allegedly, Claire had an interest in horseback riding. And so part of how Keith recruited Claire was he said that he could train Claire in horseback riding so that she could get into the Olympics. However, he has no... Background in horses, no background in horseback riding, no background in horse training. He just thought that this is something he could do. Claire was like, I like horses. And Keith was like, that's interesting. I could train you so that you can get into the Olympics. I know how to do that. And Claire was like, okay. So then Claire ended up giving him $2 million to the program at 2.5 interest Um, is what her father said in 2003. And then things really snowballed from there. Eventually, um, the sisters gave them $100 million from their trust funds. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, And they they basically just became the the bankroll for Nexium. Insane. What a waste of money. What a waste. Imagine giving your whole trust fund to a cult. I would be so pissed. Yeah, I'd be I'd be mad as hell. Yeah. So then there's Allison Mack. She was the first 
quote unquote celebrity member. I'd never heard of her until until this. Uh, in 2006, when she was 23. They get so excited whenever she's around. I know. Every every scene is like, and then Allie was there, of course. Yeah, like who? <sighs> so she was on a show called Smallville that was shooting in Vancouver. And she attended an intro course with her castmate, Kristen Kruk. And Keith knew that this Allison Mackerel was coming and wanted everyone to be, like, be on their best behavior because she was like the most famous person that showed interest thus that far anyone's in the ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> and she was really into it. And she was after Smallville, she was oh my God, gagging for Keith. There's a video of her meeting Keith for the first time that's on the vow. Like at she while starts he's hysterically crying within two minutes. Keith's like, art is dumb. And then she's like, sobbing she's like you're right art's dumb i'm dumb everything's dumb will you brand me she's she's gagging for it uh and then after smallville ended in 2011 she was struggling to find work so she put all of her energy towards nexium hoping that it would improve her life and so as she got deeper into the cult she started withdrawing from her friends and family and so at the height of nexium keith starts referring to himself as vanguard well, they all had they all had different names. Yeah, um, he loved volleyball. <laughs> he loved volleyball so much they would all That's play like volleyball at nighttime. You know it's what so I'm telling weird. you? Like every group has an activity that they love. Like <laughs> in different circles. Like I don't know if this. Ta- I feel like in recovery circles, like everyone's in a band and you have to go see them play in their bands. Like, I feel like in cults, it was like, let's go all play volleyball or like even in other in other cults. It's like we joined a band. What was it with David Koresh? Waco. And then like, was it the source? The source family? They had a the source family had a band. band. Like every cult has to have an activity that they do together. (laughs) And Keith, Keith just liked volleyball. I think that's like fun. Okay. Group activities. Yeah. You have to have some sort of team building exercise. Yeah. Yeah. So then the cult was growing and then smaller groups within Nexium started forming. There was the Delegates, which was a kind of like Task Rabbit-esque startup led by the younger members. And then there was the Source, which was a workshop for actors led by none other than Allison Mack. Which is also interesting because I was thinking of when we did the Cafe Gratitude cults and the Landmark Forum. And I yeah. feel like a lot of cults, even though Nexium was based in Albany, a lot of cults gear themselves towards actors. Like Scientology also gears itself towards yeah. young actors because I think they're kind of struggling. They don't know what they want in life. Things aren't really working out as they should. They're getting constant rejection and they're like, something needs to change. I'm at a plateau. Yeah. This company can come in and say, I know the secret that will get you success. Uh, are you feeling lonely? Are you feeling stuck? I have 10 steps that will give you success. And then they're like, but all you have to do is pay $800. And like these people <laughs> are like, okay, I can do it. I'll do it. And then they that's how they suck you in. That's how they do it. Yeah. That's how they do it. And then there's a group called JNAS which was a series of $5,000 a pop eight-day workshops that promoted a worldview in which women or men are wired differently. This was, this was, and this was run by the women in the cult. This yeah. Was, 
And this was run initially, I think, by Keith's for, by Keith's wife. Yeah. So men were naturally polyamorous while women were monogamous. Men didn't experience the same depth of experience while women are less adept at understanding right and wrong. And Nancy Salzman said, women feel oppressed and the men would try to stick up for themselves and we would all attack them. We cut them off constantly just because we're excited and impulsive. But we didn't understand that they really felt unheard or disrespected or uncared for. That's so sad. I feel so bad for men. (laughs) Uh, Keith was obsessed with controlling the weight of the women. He told one member who gained 10 pounds that her weight hurts his heart and he wouldn't sleep with her until she lost the weight. He also said, uh, quote unquote, fat on women disturbs the transmission of essential energy to him. (laughs) I believe it. I believe it. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. So then there was DOS. So Allison and Keith were getting closer and they worked together to start a feminist group called DOS, which means Dominus Obsequious Sororium, which means Master Over the Slave Woman. In DOS was a kind of continuation of 
uh, Janess, which Janess um, ended when Keith's wife passed away from cancer, which we will get into later. And Allison was so moved by Keith's wife and her work. And Allison really felt that Keith's wife took her under her wing. So she wanted to start another group for women because she felt that like Mm -hmm. Keith's wife work really empowered the women in Nexium, And she wanted to start a group again. So Allison recruited the elite members of Nexium to join. And I'm assuming elite meant like the hot women. The hot members, the hot skinny <laughs> members. The members had to send over collateral. So they had each woman send naked photos and videos and written statements about terrible things they've done or secrets they've never told anyone. And they even made up stories about relatives molesting them. Like they just told them, like, make up anything, make up a terrible story about a relative. And so these were eventually used as blackmail. And these women were on call 24 hours a day. They only had, I think it was like 10 minutes to text back their master. Yeah. And they had to text photos of their food and were only allowed a certain number of calories. Like they had to ask for permission to eat. Yeah, it was like, Master, may I have this apple? Yeah. So they couldn't have sexual relationships with anyone other than Keith. And they had to re-up their collateral every month. So they had to resend like new pictures, more naked pictures, more like written secrets and stories every month. And one member said one of her instructors or one of her instructions was to seduce Keith. And so she feared that if she didn't, they would release her collateral. And one woman said she admitted to having feelings for another man and she was put in a house for a year and couldn't leave. Yeah. And she was from Mexico and like they took all of her papers. So she was stuck. Yeah, that was in the investigation um, discovery. Just because she admitted to having feelings for another man. Not that she was in a relationship, just that she admitted having feelings. It was crazy. Also, women who swallowed Keith's semen were told they saw an ethereal blue light. That's so sick. It's gross. Um, And Keith had apparently over 50 female slaves. And the group would meet three times a week and they would pose naked and take a photo for Keith. Apparently, he loved close-up vaginal photos. Yeah. And if the girls girls didn't appear happy in the photo, they'd have to take the photo again. Yeah. Keith once allegedly kicked a woman while on the floor. And Keith wanted to build a dungeon in the basement and purchase various BDSM toys and a cage for their penance den. And this was stated by the owner of the sex toy shop where it was purchased from. Yeah, so if the girls did something wrong, like if their collateral wasn't right or if the pictures they sent them weren't good, Keith would make them um, spank themselves or would make Uh, the master spank the slave, but he would make them do it over video chat. And if Keith wasn't happy with the penance, he would make them do it again. Um, and he would watch it on video chat, um, to make sure that it was being done right. And no. allegedly, like, Keith once kicked a woman, um, while she was on the floor God. and like, and like beat her up because like she did something wrong or probably like asked to eat a French fry or something. Um, <laughs> And he wanted in this, like, they lived in this, like, quote unquote, sorority house, which I think was Allie Max. And um, he wanted to build this BDSM dungeon and like 50 Shades of Grey room. And yeah. and all the stuff was purchased um, by yeah. this woman, Padilla. It was all literally purchased, like the receipts are there. Um, but then once the trial started and once Nexium got caught, she tried to return it all. Um <laughs> 
but that's all uh, in the documents too for the trial. So then as we talked about, there's the branding um, and the women in DOS were branded. Uh, it was part, it was mandatory. They, were, they would have a ceremony where all the women were naked and they had to lay on a table and be, be branded. And they would have to say, please brand me. It would be an honor, an honor I would want to wear for the rest of my life. And it was all recorded so that it looked like they weren't being branded against their will. Right. Um, and this is key, something that Keith made up uh, because he said, like, the only way to feel love is through pain and that it would be a symbol of submission. I'm sure he just liked it. And he would watch the videos and probably like jerk off. Um, the symbol was KR and AM for, for Keith and Allison. However, um, I've heard conflicting things on, of this. Like I've also heard really? that it's just K it's a K A R because Keith's middle initial is a, Oh, I don't know. Um, Ali Mack was branded as well. At first, the women had no idea that Keith was on the top of this until this brand came out and they were like, what the fuck is going on here? Because if you turn it sideways or if you look at it from a certain way, it just looks like a weird symbol. If you turn it sideways, you can see like, oh, there's a K and R. Yeah. And And initially, Ali, I guess, was even told it was a Latin symbol, although I I doubt that. And one woman who was branded said that it was like worse than childbirth. It lasted 30 minutes. The other women would hold you down. They'd be screaming. 30 minutes? Yeah. You were unmedicated, being seared with a hot iron. And then one woman said it took three months for it to heal, that she just had an open wound for three months. And they couldn't go to the, the hospital or the doctor being like, yeah, sorry, my master branded me and now it's not healing. Um, like, what do you do? Uh, so DOS ended up being the thing that obviously shot, uh, shut down Nexium. Uh, more and more members started turning on Keith. And it wasn't until 2017 that everything kind of started happening. Sarah Edmondson talked to the New York Times and led them to take a picture of their brand. Actually, before this, something happened. It was Frank it was Frank Frank Parlato who was a Nexium publicist, and he was the initial bl- uh, whistleblower. He had a, a a blog, and the women started coming to him. He was an investigative journalist. He's the one in this ID discovery who's kind of leading. Um, and he started getting word from the women that this kind of stuff was happening in Nexium. Additionally. As he was doing PR, he was hired to do PR for Nexium to clean up their image because they mm-hmm. were getting some bad press. And as he was looking into Nexium, he realized that Keith was embezzling money. Like he realized like $50,000 was missing and things like this. And he apparently confronted Keith about it. And Keith was like, I, I don't look into this or you're going to be very sorry. So then that led Ooh. Frank to to be like, something's not wrong right here. I'm going to start looking mm-hmm. into it. And then he started uncovering all these things. And I think that led Sarah to contact Frank and be like, Frank, I'm branded. All this stuff is true. This is bad. She showed pictures of her brand to Frank. I think Frank posted it on the blog. And then that got picked up by New York Times. Um, and then the FBI launched an investigation because of that article. And then Keith yeah. and some other members moved to Mexico. And then this was also when the podcast that Sarah did came out. 
So Allison and Keith asked members to delete all the messages between them. And then in 2018, a federal complaint, Keith, aka the Vanguard, took part in forming a secretive group in which women said they were coerced into a slave and master relationship and branded with a design that included Keith Rainier and Allison Mack's initials. Um, and then we know that it is a shit show from there. So then, as we have mentioned, there is this documentary on ID called The Lost Women of Nexium. Um, I ordered it on iTunes, uh, iTunes TV. You can get it there. And there's four women in this cult. Um, one is missing, one committed to suicide, and two died of cancer. And it's all of them are under mysterious circumstances. And this guy, Frank, is... He, he's implying that that Keith essentially he's implying Keith killed all these women. So uh, the first um, is Kristen Snyder, who went missing February 2003. She was last seen taking um, a self-help seminar called Executive Success Programs at a hotel in Anchorage, uh, Alaska. She was forced. And this was her second um, seminar. She second Nexium seminar she had taken. Um, she had taken one 16 day seminar, and this was the second one she was doing. She was forcibly removed from the seminar on the 10th day because she was acting, quote unquote, erratically, allegedly. And then her car was found two days later with a note essentially saying that she was committing suicide. A few weeks before her suicide, she apparently took a trip to Albany, New York, which is the headquarters of Nexium. Apparently, Claire Brothman told someone that Kristen Snyder was pregnant with Keith's child. Oh. And then she disappeared. Allegedly, Keith always demanded that the women who got pregnant by him get abortions, and perhaps Kristen refused an abortion. Oh, interesting. She writes... I attended a course. This was found in her car. I attended a course called Executive Success Programs, aka Nexium, out of Anchorage, Alaska, and Albany, New York. I was brainwashed, and my emotional center of the brain was killed and turned off. I still have feelings in my extended skin, but my internal organs are rotting. Please contact my parents, Bob and Janie. If you find me or this note, I am sorry, life. I didn't know I was already dead. May we persist into the future, Kristen Snyder. So this was found in her car. And handwriting analysis have taken this note as well as other things she's written because now it's an open investigation. So basically her car was found, but she was never found. Um, and it was found near this lake um, two miles away from Anchorage. And everyone who has ever disappeared in this lake has been found. Like, it's not particularly deep. Right. Um, and she's the only person who has not been found. So the investigation's open since she's still a missing person. And Frank, uh, the private detective and the one who did the uh, PR for Nexium, but then turned against them, and Kristen's wife are like, we need to get to the bottom of this. Like, we think Keith is involved somehow. Um, so they did a handwriting analysis and they are determining um, that they do not think that this is Kristen's handwriting. Oh, interesting. Or they believe that it was written under duress. Um, so this is oh. one thing that happened under Keith's watch uh, where they are kind of like, what the deal? What the deal is that? What the deal is that? What the deal is what that? What the deal is that? And then there's Gina Hutchinson. She 
was 14 when she lost her virginity to Keith, who was 24 at the time. And he talked Gina into dropping out of school for him to become her mentor and convinced her that eventually they would marry and start a family together. And so she stayed like in his orbit, like until her 30s. Like she hung around him and all his groupies. And then she committed suicide in 2002 at age 33. And she was found dead at a Buddhist monastery an hour and a half away from the Nexium headquarters in Albany. So did Keith kill her or persuade her to kill herself for fear that she might speak out about the statutory rape? And he was apparently worried that the Bronfman sisters wouldn't give him money if they found out about the statutory rape. And Keith also said that he hadn't seen her in months before she died, but he actually did see her a few days prior. And according to mm. Kristen Keith, a former member, Keith was experimenting on Gina and attempted to mind condition Gina into committing suicide as a way of achieving enlightenment. But really, was he possibly coercing her into killing herself to cover up for statutory rape? Yeah. Also, in this documentary on ID, so Gina was really short and she was very skinny. And she was found with a sweatshirt on and she killed herself with a shotgun, which is like not a normal gun. I mean, shotguns are what, like three feet long? Like how big is a shotgun? So she was found with a shotgun under her sweater, under her sweatshirt, um, and then with the barrel in her mouth and assumingly that she had um, committed suicide that way. Right. So Frank is like, we have to test this. Test this. Can you even commit suicide with a shotgun? Like, can your arm, if the barrel's in your mouth, can your arm reach the trigger? And so they did testing with a girl the same stature as Gina, and they found in every case that you cannot, you cannot reach the barrel of the or the um, trigger of the shotgun while the barrel is in your mouth while lying down. Oh, um, so they're like. Yeah, they're like, there's no way she could have killed herself this way unless she was like using a twig or some sort of stick to push the trigger. So what Frank is alleging, and I guess when they ruled this a suicide, they immediately ruled it a suicide. So they did not test if there was any gunpowder on her fingers um, or if there was any other footsteps other than hers. Um, so they didn't and they didn't see if a that it was definitely her that shot the shotgun. They did not test time of death to see if um, maybe she was shot somewhere else and then moved to this location. And they didn't see if it was someone else who potentially shot the gun. Hmm. They didn't test for other fingerprints on the gun because they were just like, oh, yeah, this is definitely a suicide. Um, so what Frank is alleging is that he thinks that potentially maybe Keith killed her um, yeah. to to cover this up. And then there's Barbara Jeske, former member. She got cancer and died in 2014. And then Pamela Kafritz, she also got cancer and died. Remember we talked about how he lived in that house with a bunch of women? Yeah. And I guess three women in that house got cancer, which obviously a lot of the population gets cancer. Sure. But his first, his wife, Barbara Jeske, got cancer and died in 2014. And then his wife, Pamela, also got cancer and died. Huh. Um, I think Barbara was the one who started Janice or whatever. Oh, Janus. Janus, yeah. And then there was a third woman in the house who also got cancer. And she's she survived. Huh. So Frank is alleging, like, did living with Keith somehow give these women cancer? Keith was made executors on their wills. 
Oh. Which was kind of interesting. So Frank is like, did monitoring their well-being or their health or their lifestyle or their eating habits somehow cause these women to get sick and die? The woman who survived cancer had kept a lock of her hair from when she had cancer. Because Keith apparently didn't allow these women to cut their hair. He liked women to have long hair. And... This woman, when she had cancer, her hair was falling out. So it was like the one time she had some of her hair um, and she kept it from when she had cancer. Frank took some of the hair from when this woman had cancer and he took it to a forensic pathologist and was like, can you test this hair just to see if there's anything weird about it? Right. And the scientist said that it had really high levels of barium, which is high level metal toxicity, which is not normal. Um, that's not something that like you just have. And Frank was like, why might someone have high level barium? Like, how right. does this happen? And he's like, that's not something you just normally have. You only have high levels of barium from like exposure to gunpowder, exposure to explosives or repeating small, repeated small feedings of rat poison in low doses over time. Oh, and, Yeah. So Frank is like, was Keith feeding all these women really low doses of rat poison? And they were like older. They were like older. I mean, older than like all his 20 year old. Yeah. These were like women in their like late 40s, 50s. Oh. Yeah. So he was like, was Frank potentially feeding these women small doses of rat poison over time to give them barium poisoning, which would potentially maybe give them cancer, become executives on their executors on their will and and their life insurance and get their life insurance. Wouldn't put it past him. Yeah. So that's pretty crazy. That's crazy. Anyways, back to you. And then there's Kristen Keith, a former member. She got pregnant by Keith. She refused to get an abortion and she had the child and had to flee the country. Keith kept her on a strict diet that she was so skinny. She didn't know she was pregnant until eight months, That's which is psycho. crazy. And she was with Keith for 24 That's years. Wild. That is a while. That's one month before the baby poops out of you. Poops out of you. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> That's, That's right. right. And she was in Nexium for 17 years and she was also a, a huge whistleblower. And she left the house with nothing but her purse and she took a taxi to the police station. Like she was just like, I'm out. Yeah. And then, so 2018 in March, an arrest warrant was issued for Keith, but he was hiding in Mexico with a few of his female followers. And so Mexican authorities helped the FBI locate him in a $10,000 a week villa in Puerto Vallarta. Must be nice. And so the Mexican authorities worked with the FBI and he was arrested and he was uncooperative. And the women he was with in his villa chased the cop car in their own car. Like they took him off. That's hot. Yeah. Like they followed him like it was like OJ and the Bronco. Like they were like, no. Between the the book for dummies and and this, I'm kind of, there's two things I actually love about Nexium. Yeah. (laughs) Is there extradition in Mexico, though? I thought you were allowed to go flee to Mexico if you were had an arrest well, warrant. Well, I don't know. The Mexican authorities apparently were like on board with arresting him, so I'm not sure. I'm oh, sure because can... he had Nexium in Mexico, so maybe he... So yeah, it could be charges hmm. as well in Mexico. In Mexico. Maybe they yeah. charged him in... I don't know. I yeah. don't know, man. Who knows? I'm not a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither. 
Okay, so Keith and a few other higher-ups in Nexium were accused of systemic sexual abuse of female members. The charges are sex trafficking, racketeering, and racketeering conspiracy. Uh, there were also charges related to tax evasion, falsifying documents, getting people into the country illegally. And then, like I said, there's 20 pages of yeah. uh, human rights violations. Oh, my God. Yeah. He also says the age of consent is a social construct. Yeah. Gross. There's videos of him being like in Rome, in ancient Rome, you can do whatever you want. Like, bitch, this is an ancient Rome. Yeah. There's also a video of him being like, kids like being molested. It's only their parents that tell them that they don't like it. And then they change their minds. Like, he's <sighs> a nut. It's funny because there's part like there's a part of me that's like there's no way it could be this bad. He seems pretty normal. And then you hear some of this stuff and read some of this stuff and you're like, oh, he this is this is very bad. Like this is actually yeah. very bad. Yeah. So then there's a six week trial. Uh, the trial focused on illegal treatment of women in DOS. The trial was high security. Jurors were brought to and from court in vehicles driven by U.S. Marshals. Yeah. A lot of incriminating evidence presented at the trial. Evidence that Nexium members hacked into computers and paid private investigators to Im- obtain info on perceived enemies, including Senator Chuck Schumer. Yeah. Again, that's like just more uh, more Scientology type stuff. Yeah. Um, the jury deliberation only lasted four hours. Guilty of racketeering, sex trafficking, conspiracy, forced labor, identity theft, <gasps> sexual exploitation of a child, and possession of child pornography. I didn't yeah. know that. He was guilty of all that stuff. Um, Allie Mack, Claire Bronfman, and three other women pleaded guilty to a bunch of charges. Yeah. Keith's sentencing was scheduled for June 2020, but rescheduled because of Corona, I believe, right? Yeah. Um, he faces a mandatory minimum president prison term of 15 years and a possible life sentence. 15 years is like too short, my friend. Yeah, it's a minimum. So uh, hoping that he gets... Yeah, he's in the Metropolitan Detention Center in Brooklyn, which I read last night is where Jis Lane is. Yes. That's wild. That's crazy. So Allison Mack, her sentencing was originally for September 11th, 2019. Never forget. But it is now unscheduled. She's on house arrest with her parents taking online classes at UC Berkeley. The class she's taking is gender, <laughs> sex, and power, history of human rights. Uh-huh. It sounds to me like she's taking that in order to, like, defend herself. Yeah. Which is crazy. Yeah. She was asked to no longer attend the video classes in person, but remains enrolled. Someone on Twitter posted screenshots of her, like, on the Zoom with, like, her name written underneath, like, yeah. talking. It's crazy. I'd be like, um, I don't like uh, this class seems bad if there's (laughs) convicted (laughs) sex traffickers in it. I'm going to opt out of this gender class. Um, So she's married, by the way, to another Nexium um, woman. She's married to Nikki Klein, who's an actress on Battlestar Galactica. Um, Allegedly, the marriage was set up by Keith so Nikki could stay in the U.S. Because she's Canadian, I believe. Yeah. uh, Who isn't? Also, um, someone, I think it was Louis um, Peitzman, who wrote us, who said that he thought they were married so that they couldn't um, testify against each other. Oh, that's, yeah, because I think there's some law where, like, married people can't testify against each other. Is that true? That seems weird. I remember that from The Sopranos. (laughs) Because Christopher give me a give me a meatball. Okay. Exactly. Federal law on All right, spa- Allie, that's really <laughs> wrong. I, I got to talk to my therapist. Give me some meatballs first. 
Oh my god. That's what you think Sopranos is. I mean, yeah, you're yeah, not season. wrong. Fade, fade to black. Okay, federal law on spousal privilege. <laughs> <laughs> federal and many state courts recognize two types of spousal privilege. Spousal testimony privilege, barring testimony against a spouse in a criminal trial. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. Also, I have an ex who literally looks exactly like Keith Raniere. Like, I'm not going to post a picture because I won't. But I'm not joking. Like, I sent it to you guys. They yes. look identical. This is the third ex you've talked about in this episode. That's so desperate. One. That's so embarrassing. <laughs> no, it's not embarrassing. It's just like the, the, the exes you have all have these defining qualities about them that they're all brought up when talking about a sex cult. Interesting. <laughs> What's the common denominator in all those relationships? Allie. <laughs> yeah, me, my my issues. <laughs> my deep-seated issues. That's so crazy. Wow, that's so dark. Anyways, he looks like Keith Raniere. And I told him, like, in jest, I was like, I sent him a volleyball picture of Keith being like, ha, 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 you guys look alike. And, like, it did not go over well. Yeah, no, it was wrong of you to no, do you it. I thought day. it was funny. <laughs> if someone told day. me I look like a sex cult leader, I'd be like, ha, ha. Was he like, that's literally the meanest thing anyone has yeah, ever said? Yeah, he said, said literally, this is the meanest thing anyone's ever said to me. And then we haven't talked since. We're like friends now. And he just like, I think I, and that was a friend. I burned, I burned that bridge. Oh. <laughs> Whatever. So Anyways, um, then last night we did some heavy investigating and found out something crazy. Yeah, apparently there's a link between Jeffrey Epstein and Nexium. Yeah. So apparently Epstein was friends with the Bronfman family. They were in his black book and they were seemingly involved in real estate together. Interesting. And so Jeffrey Epstein was Edgar Bronfman's, the father of Clarence and Bronfman's. He was his tax advisor when he worked for Bear Stearns. And also Ghislaine's father, Robert Maxwell, was business partners with Charles Bronfman when they were Crazy. like trying to buy this like media thing it's not crazy yeah so i mean because they're like super rich people so of course jeffrey epstein is like connected to them in some way also there is this weird thing where i'm like rereading it and it doesn't really make sense to me but there's something about prince andrew that's also involved <laughs> oh because on the vow that woman Catherine oxen well yeah. india is a member of the cult her mom is the one who's trying to get her out yeah. And her mom is the daughter of the, like, the princess of Yugoslavia. Yeah. Or something. Whoa. So, like, there was, like, maybe a connection between Prince Andrew and, like, the princess of Yugoslavia. But, like, I don't know. That was just, like, a theory. So, I don't know if there's really any that connection. Some, yeah. I, I was going down a Reddit dark hole last night. After I found out that Roger Stone was involved, I was just like, what the fuck's happening here? And I, I and then that Keith and Ghislaine were in the same jail. I was like, yeah. Everything's connected. <laughs> So now we are going to have Sarah Lund on. She runs the social media from Erio for Erio. She is fantastic. She's a friend of the pod. And she went to school with Allie Mack. And maybe she can give us some insider information about what she was like before this all started. And if she ever tried to recruit Sarah for any sex stuff. <laughs> Hello, Sarah. Sarah. Here I am. Hi, sorry. I went to the bathroom. Hell yeah, baby. Oh, number one or number two. <laughs> 
It was a, it was a number one, but it was a little gross because no, Sarah, oh. don't. tell us more. Yeah, no, tell us more. I want to know. Are you ovulating? No, but it was the surprise lady time. Oh, got it. Well, that was close. So you, um, first of all, introduce yourself to our listeners. We just introduced you a little bit, but introduce yourself to. Well, hi, listeners. I'm Sarah. Beth <laughs> Sorry, that's why I have a crazy laugh. I am the um, what did you call it? like the the social media mistress? Yes, madam. that's exactly what we call you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> social media mistress, uh, aka soft mess Lund. Amazing. Yeah. Um. So you went to high school with Ali Mac, right? I did. We had, I think it was like fresh freshman. So freshman and sophomore year, she was at my high school, which was Los Al High. And then I was also part of the OSHA program, which is like Orange County High School of the Arts. But it's in Irvine now, I think. But it was on the Los Alamitos campus. So she was in musical theater and I was in visual arts. Wow. Wow. Our main, our main like contact though was that we had freshman year, we had biology together <gasps> Because it was like a public high school and then the arts high school was on the campus, the couple of like artsy fartsy kids that were in the class would all hang like, you know, sit next to each other. Wear berets together. (laughs) Yeah, basically. (laughs) So we had like a commercial dance girl who was kind of a little bit of the like the slutty girl. (laughs) She always had like crop tops and was like like sexy and had belly jeans. And then it was Allison and then this this guy Nick who everybody had a crush on but he who was clearly gay but that's how it works <laughs> a freshman year high, high school you don't know the difference you don't know the name <laughs> so I mean I my I didn't really have like a relationship with her beyond like superficial I think we probably had ate lunch together once or twice but you know how it is yeah. when you're just a teen she was very <laughs> much like I only knew because she was in camp nowhere I was like, she was. She, she, she was. Yeah, it's we, weird that Annette, in the vow, she's not like I'm Allie Mack from Smallville. Obviously, she should be like I'm Allie Mack from Camp Nowhere. Obviously, Camp Nowhere. Camp Nowhere. <laughs> Melissa is a '90s movie that's like really bad. I saw it in theaters, and I remember like my mom being really mad that we saw it because she was like, "That was so bad. I can't believe you like made me sit through that." It's not bad maria it's actually really really good maria that's the one where they're fat with with ben stiller right no no that's that's heavyweights oh you know who's in this one Ke- keegan is it keegan the guy the guy the other cult guy andrew, andrew keegan. keegan andrew keegan is in it do you think that ali mack was influenced by andrew keegan in that movie like andrew keegan spit some weird cult shit at her then and then she just grew up she's been mind controlled since youth it's possible all i know that was that you guys should revisit that movie because it was very sexy i my fondness of it was like kind of like a sexy sexy kid movie you heard it here first (laughs) what was she like what was she like in high school like what 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 did she wear what was her clothing (laughs) Maria, I don't know if you showed the ladies the picture I sent you. Your high school yearbook. We'll post that. I sent them all. I don't know if you noticed, uh, we are both wearing overalls. <laughs> okay, so that was Freshman like a thing. Year, that was the hot thing is overalls and like tight, like tight tops and scrunchies and just like gross, greasy hair. <laughs> basically, this is basically the same as now, but... 
he and I both had really unfortunate haircuts at the time. Oh my god. She had like that like bowl kid haircut. Yeah. I had a horrifying haircut. My mom took me to her hairstylist who gave me like basically like the Karen haircut of like 1997 oh, no. <laughs> with like chunky with like chunky highlights. I basically looked like I was maybe like a 39-year-old woman <laughs> even though I was like 16. She was like really just pleasant. Really? Just like everything I'm sure. child actor style or yes. like um yeah theater a little bit a little bit fake but just really like sugary was she did she date a lot or like what was her what was her vibe with with romance she did she was very private there was no rumors about her or anything i mean my only thing was like oh that's the girl from camp nowhere (laughs) (laughs) do you know anything about like her family or like I, i mean i do know that her family still lives in that area because if you guys saw after she got out of prison yes UC Berkeley, she's doing like online school at UC Berkeley or something and house arrest. But first she did house arrest in Los Alamitos, which is literally, I could get there in like three minutes from where I am in Long Beach. Oh my God. So she was there for a couple months in her parents' house down the street from where she went to high school with Amy how fucking crazy i don't know i think she, i don't know there was an article where they said maybe she could go out to get groceries and stuff so i don't know if i would have gone to the grocery store and seen her or something i don't <laughs> that would have been would you have said anything to her like Allie, what was your deal with the cult stuff i probably maybe would have said like an awkward like hey we went to high school <laughs> How are you doing? Are I would have pretended that you I didn't know. Him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what I would do. I've been just like, I'm a, I'm a mom of four. <laughs> I live down the street. My husband has a construction business. <laughs> what sex cult? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I know nothing. The only thing I know about is like, it, is it one o'clock? I don't know. <laughs> is it wine like o'clock? A, you want to go get lunch? I'm just a normal lady. So she was just like nice, pleasant. It was, it, it was a little bit of a creepy pleasant. It was a little bit of like a disney princess pleasant oh, right and you yeah. get that in the documentary too like you see oh, that, yeah. that like that like hi uh, yes like, yeah so i guess but that's always been her you know but uh, you know it makes you think what what makes someone that's into musical theater that's into acting that seems super pleasant or whatever what gets them into a cult where they're okay to be branded and they start recruiting girls to do it as well if you think about it, Hollywood is a cult. Okay, kind of, right? Mm. Elaborate, Sarah. Well, you know, you have the whole casting couch thing. You have improv, Maria. Okay, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I do know if I'm thinking back in my experience. So this arts program that I was in, it was like the musical theater kids were ridiculous. And they were always touching and kissing and they're always performing everywhere. It's like the most like needing attention teen style, everything. So everything was over the top. So they were kind of pretending to be adults in a way and also just wanting attention. So maybe it's just like, they're like, oh, we're family. We're best friends. So maybe they just, she just has this desire for family connection yeah, i don't know but i think that probably but she had her brother in school with her because you sent me a picture of her brother as well shannon yeah what well, shannon i i don't remember him at all like i looked at his picture i'm like that guy's very forgettable he that <laughs> he did have a forgettable face i'm not gonna lie and then sarah you also went to school with another nefarious character this is yucky so it's <laughs> the guy who got in trouble or arrested for killing a little girl in the casino bathroom oh my God. in like Reno or something. Uh, what? Jeremy Strohmeyer. I don't think I know about this. 
was he there when you were there or was he before? I think that he either was a senior when I was a freshman or he graduated the year before. But I know that that incident happened while I was still in high school. And so it went around the high school because he had gone to the high school. He had just graduated or gone to the high school. It was just like, oh, Los Al alumni. Holy shit. And then I, Maria, I sent you an article. Apparently, the kid who killed Bill Cosby's son in a hit and run was best friends and also with Jeremy Stormire and also went to Los Al High. Oh my there's a God. Pi- there's a picture of them online, like standing next together in a yearbook photo. Oh my god, that place like is a club cursed. sports. Yeah. I know. You also sent a yearbook picture where Allison Mack, it's people saying what they do on Saturday nights, and Allison Mack <laughs> says her and Natalie Ayer say, We're watching Saturday Night Live. Well. And then everyone else's answers are like one sentence, but then Sarah, your answer is <laughs> <laughs> On a Saturday night, I would probably be at Marina Pacific going to see a movie with about four or five of my friends and probably afterwards going to Starbucks having some Frappuccinos. (laughs) And then you're saying to me that that was probably a lie. That was a lie. Um, oh, no. <laughs> you gave too sad. much information, Sarah. You didn't need to give that it's only, much Yeah, when you give that much info, you know that you're you're startled and you start, you start lying. too specific. <laughs> yeah. What about the, the double probably? Because um, like in my brain after I said it, I'm like, oh, they're going to, you know, they'll edit it. To they'll be cut like, it Sarah. down. <laughs> but instead they quoted me verbatim. That's always rough. Are there any closing statements about Allison Mack that people just need to know? I can say this is not about her personally, but Daddy Lund, Bobbert Lund, aka Jeff Lund, my father, Amanda Lund's father, was a massive fan of Smallville. That's important. Like <laughs> that's in a huge fact. In a that's important. in a creepy way where we would tease him about it, or I know I would tease him about it because anytime he'd walk in the room. Smallville would be on. I keep wondering who watches Smallville. Like, why does Allie Mack, why do people believe Allie Mack has some sort of fame? But I guess it does have like a cult fan base. It's retired dads. And I don't, you know, <laughs> interesting. Okay, so this is weird. So I think my dad had a had like kind of had a crush on the like girl, you know, the one who first introduced Allison Mack into it and then disappeared. Kristen Crook. But she was like really, 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 really pretty. Yeah, she's Canadian. But this is the thing, though. But so as he, he also secretly loves the Kardashians. Don't tell me. Well, who know. doesn't, Sarah? Yeah. Seriously. I think he watches it because he looks at them. You know what I'm saying? Like, because they're pretty. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, of course. You can't not look at them. They're in your face. I don't know. I, th- I just think he has like a specific type that he likes. Like the small Smallville small girl. <laughs> Smallville actresses and Kardashians. I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't okay, know. Well, Sarah, uh, thank you so much for this illuminating information. This, uh, we, you're your first person experience with Ali Mack, and yeah, um, that's that's pretty invaluable. I wish I had more juice for you, but um, well, we've got your yearbook pictures. We'll post those because those are yeah, those it's are nice good. to see. It's nice to see innocent Ali Mack. You know, prior to going down the rabbit hole, for sure. Well, thanks, Sarah. This was great. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Sarah. You're welcome. I, you know, I try. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, 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 wait. Uh, what's it? Oh, no. Oh, your sash. She's got her sash. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Sarah just put on her white sash. My white next to So that means I'm a beginner. What is it yeah, called? Like a trainee? Or like yeah, you're a trainee. 
But you're a vanguard to us, Sarah, always. Yeah. <laughs> There's a vanguard in our eyes. <laughs> I'll have to make you guys some um, some gold scarves or some purple ones with the stripes oh my God, on them. Please. Oh, thank well, you. I won't wear mine, but thank you. <laughs> what a bitch, Maria. You're such a snob. <laughs> Classic Maria. Classic snobby. Classic snobby Maria. Wait, before you let me go, I'm trying to think of which one of you would have been like like uh, friends with her in high school. Uh oh. And I think it's probably going to be a double alley. (laughs) Yeah, I can already tell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mile away. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. (laughs) I can smell that. Anyway, it's true. All right, Sarah. Thank you. Bye, ladies. See you on the web, on the Instagram. Anyways, so that's kind of our um, little summary of the vow. Uh, If you guys have any more information, if you know the most famous woman in the world, Allie Mack, um, (laughs) if you you have ever been in a cult, actually, we know... A listener wrote us that she'd been in a cult. We need a we need to interview her as a follow up. Sure. You guys suck, dude. You guys suck. Okay. Anyway, I said this happens every time. Allie suggests something and someone agrees with her. It's the Allie pause. Says, it's the pregnant pause where you guys are like, should we say yes to her? This should we play? I was her? trying to remember who it was. Not nah, whatever, dude. Was it the girl that was kidnapped? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was kid. Oh, maybe she was kidnapped and not in a cult. My bad. Okay, this one's on me. This one's on me, folks. <laughs> I'm sure one of our listeners has been in a cult. Someone email us. I'm sure we do. But this one, my yeah, bad. Yeah, it's Melissa. My bad. Yeah. Fools. All right. Anyways, uh, I am Allie Vanguard Siegel. I am Melissa ESP Stetton. And I'm Maria Allison Mack. An Erio's original powered by ACAST. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.